If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I believed, for example, I was in the Truman Show and I was on the street and everyone in the street was in, was on the Truman Show as well. And I was being watched and I, I literally, yeah, I had a meltdown. It was horrible. I'm honoured to be joined today by one of the UK's most impressive speakers and mental health advocates in the form of Johnny Benjamin MBE, who made headlines after sparking a national campaign called Find Mike with the goal of tracking down the man who talked him down from a bridge. Johnny talks candidly about his own experience with schizoaffective disorder, which has led to him hearing a voice in his head that used to take on the form of an angel before becoming the devil. He's passionate about mental health and how we all need to talk more openly. And you can find the charity he founded, Beyond, on wearebeyond.org.uk, link in the show notes. He's also created a mental health festival for schools called Now and Beyond, which is also in the notes. Johnny tells me how his relatively conservative Jewish upbringing made it harder to talk about his issues, while also feeling he had to keep his homosexuality secret. Coming from a similar Jewish North London background, I found it easy to talk to him, despite the at times heavy subject matter. While editing this, I realised I spoke to Johnny about someone called Ellen Sachs towards the end of the episode without explaining to you listeners who she is. Uh, she's a high-profile lawyer who suffers with schizophrenia and gives fascinating and inspiring talks on the subject. Johnny and I talk about her as well as what he learned about schizophrenia from scientists at Yale how compassion-focused therapy has been helpful and why relapses can take place. Also, we gossip a bit about the royal family who gave him his MBE status. Back at the end for some chat. So I'm Johnny and I work in mental health. I mostly work with young people in places like schools and, and universities, um, have my own charity. I'm also a filmmaker and writer, published uh, a book and I've got another book coming out in 2021. What's the book in 2021 about? That's interesting. Well, it's called The Book of Hope and it's writing by all different sorts of people on the subject of hope. Mostly it's people with experience of mental health issues that have had to overcome quite difficult, challenging experiences. And yeah, it's all about how they overcame and, and, and found hope. It's really inspiring. I mean, um, got people like Dame Kelly Holmes and Joe Wicks and everyone like Rylan, uh, the presenter Rylan, like lots yeah. of different sorts of people. I'm looking forward to, to people reading do you find that it's surprising how many people who might seem totally fine all the time have actually got, uh, you know, really big things going on in their minds? Yeah, oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, I'm really lucky because I've been around the world and um, met so many people who open up to me because I'm open about my mental health challenges. And yeah, I feel really privileged to, you know, have met so many people with all different sorts of issues from OCD to um, borderline personality disorder, depression, bipolar, anxiety, schizophrenia. Yeah, you just never know. You never know what's going on, really, um, yeah. in someone else's head. You really don't. You think you do, but you never do. I guess there's two sides of the coin when you when you hear about other people with, with mental health issues going on, because on the one hand, uh, it makes you feel not alone. And then on the other hand, I suppose it's just it's more sort of sadness. And, and I mean, how does it affect you to hear about other people going through? Does it help you? Yeah, I think it helps me. And some stories are sad. I mean, you know, I, I, I meet a lot of people who are bereaved by suicide. And, you know, that is the saddest outcome 
Um, yeah. And that's that's tough. But I also meet a lot of people who, you know, as, as I said before, who have overcome massive, massive hurdles. Um, and um, yeah, they're living their life. They're living their best lives with, with mental health issues. And that's really inspiring to hear that and to see that. So I think it's a, a sort of balance or mixture of the, the sad, the sadness, um, but also the the positives and the the hope that there is. Yeah. You know, there's a lot. There is there is a lot of hope out there. How are you feeling right now? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Um, it, well, like many people, it's been a challenging year. Um, I actually i i got on i got on well in September and had a relapse and I went back into hospital. Um, so that was that was tough. Obviously, that was tough. Um, but I feel like I'm out the other side now, and yeah, I'm I'm in a better better place, thank, thankfully. Um, but you know, it, it takes work. Um, I think some people, and I, you know, myself included, some people think that um, you know, you just take a pill and and that's it, or just have a therapy session and it, you know, it's all sort of fixed. I mean, it. Yeah. Yeah, it, take, it takes work, and um, I realized that as I've gone on this journey you know um there's no sort of yeah. quick fix and it takes work and it takes support you need support around you um and just to keep talking really you know um and unfortunately a lot of people still find it difficult to talk and open up and be honest there's still i think there's still quite a lot of stigma um attached to mental illness i think it's getting better but i do think there is mm. It's not like a, you know, when you break a, a bone and, or even if you have something like cancer, I think something like cancer is more accepted and it's more talked about and there's less of a stigma, but mental illness, there is still um, a, a stigma that, you know, we need to get rid of. Do you think there are people who are like, oh, come on, mate, we've all had a hard day. Is that, have you experienced that personally from people? I've had it on social media. So this is generalizing, but often it is um, men, like middle-aged older men that are very much, uh, you know, just get on with it, stop complaining. Um, sure. Different generation. Different generation. Yeah, different different mindset. But I've been lucky though, in terms of particularly my family and friends, they've all been really supportive, really supportive. Um, and not everyone has that support. So, you know, I, yeah. I do feel really, really, really fortunate, really fortunate. Oh, that's amazing. That does, that's definitely, I mean, modern times definitely help a little bit. I mean, I went and did a, I did a film in Argentina about an exorcist. Um, and basically the majority of his patients were people dealing with, with things reminiscent of, of schizophrenia. Mm. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I couldn't diagnose them. Although some of them had been in psychiatric wards and he was going around sort of taking them out of psychiatric wars and telling them they have a demon. So what you just said before really, it, it really chimed with me because about there being no quick fix, because yeah. I think a lot of them were expecting one. And, oh. and unfortunately the symptoms, a lot of symptoms of schizophrenia are very similar to what you might imagine a demon being and a, a demon voice and a demon uh, urges and pushes and these kinds of things. So it's very easy for them to fall into that narrative of like, oh, it must be a devil and there's going to be a quick fix. And I think they were so willing to believe it that all of these people I interviewed, who I, I watched them go through exorcisms, which was a horrific thing to watch. It's like it's it's one of the worst things I've ever seen to be in a room with. Mm. And then afterwards, they they all said they were much better. But then you go back in six months or a year, and it it goes away again. I mean, could you could you see how from your own experience, can you see how that if you had less knowledge, I suppose, about what it actually is, how that might work for you temporarily as well? Yeah, well. I mean, to be honest, I had a similar experience when I went to India. Uh, I went to do some work there, mental health work, uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, we went to some kind of a few different like temples. Um, and we saw this, wow, kind of what, like what you were saying. I mean, the, the, uh, the noises that I heard coming out of people's mouths, the kind of... Um, it still haunt, haunts me the yeah and and the way they yeah. were i don't know shaking and uh yeah. it was yeah it was, it was really disturbing to be honest um I, yeah i still remember it really really well um and 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 you know seeing people shackled and and chained up but again not everyone has access to the type of therapy that, that i've had um yeah. i've had a lot of different types of therapy and um again as we were saying there's a lot of work to do worldwide in terms of mental health you know 
increasing understanding and reducing stigma and yeah a lot of work to do a lot of work because i i think i I understand that you for some time didn't want to tell even doctors or anything about voices you were hearing and that kind of thing and is is that was that related to the stigma or related to the illness itself that was making you not want to say anything uh no i'd say i was embarrassed embarrassed and embarrassed and ashamed and confused and um uh, on the outside everything looked good you know for me um I was a teenager and um I was doing really well at school I had good prospects I was going to go to university Mm. yeah I just wanted to fit in and for everyone to think that I was normal in inverted commas I didn't dare say anything to uh, to be honest I mean uh, when I look back I think a lot of it it stems from my, my faith and my religion. And um, I don't know, I, I felt that what I was experiencing was was related to my my faith. Um, so yeah, grew, you know, grew up, grew up Jewish in a Jewish family, yep. Jewish school. I believed that there was, or I had some link or connection to, to God or to, yeah, to God really. And I believed that I was being punished when I, you know, was experiencing these, voices that were telling me to do things so I didn't tell anyone I just sort of gone with it which was really hard what you've been diagnosed with is is it schizoaffective disorder yeah. is that right yeah is that and are things like that I, I know I know nothing about anything right so is that on a sort of spectrum that everyone has a bit of it and it goes up and if you have too much of it or is it just it's it's an illness that you either have or you don't I only ask because I think a lot of the things you're saying I can relate to on a very minor level in that I also ran around as a five-year-old or 10-year-old or a bit old, you know, thinking that maybe a voice was talking to me. But I think a lot of people would relate to hearing some sort of a voice in their mind. A lot of people might, I find myself talking to myself in the day, maybe repeating arguments that I wanted to have with someone I didn't say the right thing. Are these totally separate things or, are, or is it a spectrum? I think it's a spectrum. I think it's a spectrum. Mm. Um, but I mean, obviously there's the really extreme end, you know, when, when you're diagnosed with something like schizophrenia or schizoaffective. Um, but I do think, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people actually done quite a bit of research and a lot of people do hear voices that don't have a diagnosis of schizophrenia or bipolar or schizoaffective. Um, there's been a lot of research actually done into people that are just living with, with, with voices and they are just functioning and, you know, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's such an interesting one. Um, cause there's so many strong different viewpoints on this. You know, if you talk to a psychiatrist, um, they'd probably say, well, that person has schizophrenia or psychosis, <laughs> but you know, um, the person themselves might not want to label what they have as schizophrenia or psychosis. It might be, um, a spiritual experience or, you know, um, I just think, yeah, there's so many different varying opinions and we have to be mindful to them all, uh, be open-minded. I think often, um, from my experience talking to psychiatrists in general, you know, it, it, I've had quite, yeah, um, some challenging experiences with psychiatrists who, very much focused on the medication. We need to get rid of all these experiences and not even explore them, just get rid of them. But often, you know, often when you are hearing a voice, it's there's something underneath it is maybe it comes from trauma often, mm. you know, and it needs to be explored. But some some people just don't want to go there. They just want to get rid of whatever it is. And um, again, medication, pharmaceutical industry is such a big topic, isn't it? Um, And one that is, uh, of course, is such a, you know, I've had or been in so many different arguments and debates about medication and diagnosis and um, uh, pharmaceutical companies is such a big topic. And again, I just... I wish people could be more open-minded about this whole conversation and actually have a mm. dialogue rather than um, closed-mindedness, narrow-mindedness on, on this subject. What, what's your stance? I've really explored the world of mental health and, you know, I've come across so many different, like, movements. There's, like, the um, Hearing Voices Network, for example, or the Emerging Proud Network, who are very much coming from it as a spiritual 
experience. I think over the years, actually, I've moved more away from traditional psychiatry. I mean, when I was um, 20, I got, I got this diagnosis of schizoaffective. And when I was given my diagnosis, there wasn't much hope, hope or there wasn't, I don't know, I was just told you've got this illness and this is the medication and <laughs> good luck, basically, you know, uh, there really wasn't, um, I don't know, I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to, what to do with this. Um, and yeah, over the years I've, yeah, explored different, different avenues. Um, I think what's really helped me is, um, the type of therapy that I have at the moment, which is called, um, CFT, which is compassion focused therapy. Well, it's, it's very much focused on, um, compassion for the self, compassion for the mind. And it's really useful, particularly, I think if you hear voices and the voices are negative and destructive, um, CFT can be really, really helpful. And it's much more, CFT is much more about, yeah, exploring the experience rather than labeling it and, and putting the diagnosis on it and, um, trying to get rid of it with strong antipsychotic medication. And that's the thing. Right. I think that's a big thing is the treatment, the medication, the antipsychotic medication, particularly for schizophrenia, bipolar, it, it's really tough, um, mm. that medication. I've been on different types of medication. The side effects, they, they have really... Like in a, a Beautiful Mind, the movie. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. He sort of ends up going off of them again because he finds it's completely dullens him. Is that a word, dullen? Numbs. It is now. <laughs> it sounds like it should be a word, doesn't it? Dullen? It does, yeah. But but yes, yeah, so he goes off of them and he sees the he sees people again. But then I think he sort of just learns to live with them there. Yeah. Is that a possibility? Would that be a possibility for you? Or yeah, uh, for sure. Well, I am on medication. Actually, I am on medication. But mm. um, again, over the years, I've sort of learned to learn to um, take the right doses that work for me because I've ended up where I'm I'm literally numb. There's no feeling yeah. or well, I'm, I'm a creative, I'm a creative person and the creativity is gone. The, it's like, it just all shuts down and it's yeah. horrible when you know you're creative and that part of you is just gone. So, um, yeah, I've, I've over the years again, I, I've, I've had different psychiatrists and, you know, again, I've, I'm now lucky that I've got a psychiatrist who is more open-minded and I think that's, that's really helped. Um, mm. Because it's, it's, it's so tough, uh, the medication. And I don't think people talk yeah. about that enough, the side effects and uh, the challenge of, of, of taking medication and staying on it. So many people, particularly with schizophrenia, bipolar, will go on and off and on and off the medication because of the side effects. And no one really talks about it. And that is that sort of deadening. I suppose if, if the voices, obviously the voices are not, are not real and they're part of your imagination. So I suppose there's no way of isolating just the voices. So they must be having to, that's what they do. They, they dampen your, your creative sensibilities. Which is, and I, this, the thing is that there is a link between schizophrenia and creativity. We know there's a link for sure. I mean, uh, so many artists uh, throughout the centuries have had, well, maybe not schizophrenia, but psychosis, actually. Psychosis or... What does psychosis mean in its most sort of fundamental uh, description? So I'd say that psychosis is um kind of state of mind where you are, you're not in reality. Um, so maybe you're hearing voices or experiencing um, delusions, but you are, it's... it's it's not a nice place. I've been psychotic uh, a few times. Oh, so they're moments. It's not like you don't live with it. It's like different moments where it might happen suddenly. For me, it's been, thankfully, it's been moments. But for some people, it is more enduring, psychosis. Okay. And that, I just, yeah, it must be so tough. I'm lucky that um, my psychotic moments, I mean, they were really, so I believed uh for example i was in the truman show and i was on the street and everyone in the street was in, was on the truman show as well and i was being watched and i i literally yeah i had a meltdown it was horrible um but you know i wasn't i wasn't rooted in reality at all and um thankfully i eventually got out of that delusion and that psychosis they <laughs> gave me loads of sleeping pills and kind of slept it slept it off kind of um, oh my word! But I know for some people, you know, psychosis can last for 
a longer period and that is tough yeah okay so is it a case that there is i'm just trying to get my my sort of head in that space uh is it a case that like there's a part of you that knows deep like like with i had somebody who had very strong ocd and Mm. he was saying that he knows this part of him knows that a lot of this isn't true but he sort of feels compelled to do it is that the case or did you really really feel sure that you were in the truman show yeah i did particularly uh, this particular episode i had i was 100 percent convinced I was in the Truman Show and everyone around me was an actor. And the thing was, (laughs) what made it worse is that the more that I acted up on the street or or acted out on the street and we started to get so aggravated, the more people stopped and stared Um, and took videos. And the more I then, that fueled my belief, I'm on the Truman Show, everyone's an actor, everyone's watching me. So that was a really horrible horrible experience i was i was with a my colleague a, a good friend and you know yeah. no matter what he said to me i was like you're an actor just you know i did it didn't matter what he said what he did uh my mind was completely um in that delusion wow how did he respond to that he was brilliant actually i mean he he was obviously you know um kind of disturbed and um but he, he he was very, like, he let me have my sort of... He didn't try too much to shut me down or or, or, or stop me. Because I think that would have made me worse. I would have been like, no, you you know, there was nothing he could do. So he just, he stayed with me and he was really, yeah, patient. And eventually he managed to convince me to go to hospital. He had to wait a long time and he was really, as I said, really patient, really mm-hmm. patient with me. He let me be. He let me be. Right. Yeah. Do you ever have moments now where you will lose that moment, that sort of string of reality and and suddenly think, am I in, actually, maybe I am in the Truman Show or or anything like that? Yeah, but not to to that extent where I was, you know, 100% convinced. There'll be moments where, um, for example, I'm I'm thinking about someone and they are there on the street. Um, It's happened a few times and, and, you know, I live in London and this is like, millions and millions of people in London and the person I'm thinking about is suddenly there and I'm like and I'll say to my therapist you know I I really I'm really thinking that I'm I'm actually on the Truman Show because of this incident and the good thing is you know he'll try and sort of yeah ground me back to to reality yeah he's really he's really good he's really good at that Oh, it's, it's it's really extraordinary it's fascinating you know thank you for giving me uh, us an insight into your eyes could you tell me about fine Mike and and what led up to that the, the sort of the moments leading up to that yeah so that was that was when I was given my diagnosis um and as I said I was <laughs> it was given no hope um I was put into this psychiatric hospital and I was put onto this um what they called the suicide ward mm-hmm. um which basically is where people come and sit and watch you um 24 seven and you know if you're if you're like paranoid already then having people just sit and watch you and even when you go to the toilet jesus it's not exactly i don't know i i basically uh, i i was put into this hospital and i stayed there in there for a month before i gave up um i just couldn't i just couldn't see a way forwards there was really no hope as, a, as i said and so i made um uh an escape from from the hospital um which kind of wasn't that hard i said i needed a cigarette and they let me out and i basically ran away um and i i ended up on on a bridge on the edge of a bridge um and you know really Fortunately for me, I wasn't on there long at all when this stranger walked past and um, stranger came and stood next to me and um, we had this chat. Um, He got me to really sort of open up and um, that hadn't happened before. I hadn't opened up before, but um, I don't know. I felt really safe and sort of... uh, yeah, safe with this stranger and connected to him. And, um, you know, it was so different to the hospital where I was just watched and people 
wouldn't talk. They just watch. But this guy was really, um, he really wanted to, to understand and to sort of help and to, to talk to me. And so, yeah, he eventually, eventually managed to um, convince me to come away from the edge of the bridge. Was this o- over a motorway? No, a river. It was over a river. Were you thinking, I'm going to jump in, in the river? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, as I said, I had enough. I had enough. Um, hmm. It really it felt like the end. You know, it really, there wasn't, there wasn't a way forward. I didn't see a way forward. Uh, I was, I just saw myself being ill for the rest of my life and a, a burden on, on particularly my, my family, you know? So yeah, he, he, this stranger, um, managed to talk me off the edge and, um, when he, when he talked me off the edge, the police were waiting for me. I, I didn't know what was going on sort of behind me, uh, away from me. But the police uh, quickly kind of ran into the scene and um, it got uh, it got a bit, um, got a bit frantic. Uh, I was handcuffed and I was taken away. Um, and then, yeah, me and the stranger, we uh separated at that point um he was told to go one way and i was taken to to the local hospital and i was sectioned but you know that conversation had a real impact on me this stranger and his kindness and his um he was so positive you know he was just you know he said to me you'll get you'll be all right you'll get better and um sounds very simple but the words had a a huge impact on me um and so so when i was in a better place um i decided to to try and find him to thank him for for what he'd done um and launched this find mike search to to try and track him down to to say thank you for for what he did to me i didn't think we were gonna find him because you know, um, he could be anywhere. But we launched the campaign to raise awareness of, of mental health and particularly suicide, because yeah. um, suicide is is it's, it's a it's a really difficult subject to to address. And you know, the, the statistics are shocking. It's um, every forty seconds someone kills themselves around the world. It's shocking. So we wanted to raise awareness. Um, yeah. and get people talking it really sort of captured people's imaginations it really got to people in a way that i think most campaigns haven't done i mean you, it was david cameron was was uh you know getting involved and stephen fry and people like that what do you think it was that sort of got uh, the, the royals i think were they getting into it they did eventually yeah they did um i think it was a story of connection human connection uh a story of, of hope well, lots of people kind of ask themselves, would I be able to do what that stranger did? I launched it in in a in the middle of January, you know, in the middle of winter, and it's January is often full of quite bleak news and difficult times. So, I guess it was a story, an uplifting story of of hope. I think that's that's maybe why it captured people's attention. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist 
Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, are people approaching you all the time as, as you've become sort of a, a poster for, for, I don't want to say poster boy because it sounds ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, what are people, a poster person mm-hmm. for, uh, for mental health? Um, you know, and, and so do people come to you for advice and help a lot? Yeah, they do. They do. I feel lucky that I can impart some hopefully wisdom and and signpost them in the right directions because often people just don't know where to to start they don't know where where to where to go and i get a lot of people contact me for advice on on family and friends you know they can't get through to a family member or friend that's so common um Hmm. because you know again the stigma stigma it still very much exists what should somebody do if, if say, their their child like like you, for example, ten years old, and they're they're going through what you were going through? What what kind of family member do or a parent? Well, I mean, I'm making it sound simple, but 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 talk. You know, um, don't be afraid to to really broach the subject. I mean, you know, there's so much out there now in terms of um, stuff online about mental health. People, celebrities, talking about mental health all the time, which is great because you can kind of use that um books tv programs um yeah use that when you're talking to your child about you know how they're how they're feeling um but the key is not to not to ignore it just as you would if it was a physical health issue Mm -hmm. you know that that someone was experiencing you wouldn't you know when i was first unwell people would be like, they'd sit me down and they'd say, Johnny, you need to talk. You need to open up. I kind of withdrew because it was too intense and formal and don't know. So, so talking to someone in a very sort of just, you know, human sort of way um, and not making it too, too big a deal. And it can take time to sort of, you know, really get someone to open up. I think that's the key. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Does it weigh on you to, to sort of have this responsibility sometimes? It, it did. It did at points, actually. Um, yeah, it, it did. Particularly, you know, um, well, for example, there was one message that I got. This was years ago. And someone said, um, can you call me on my cell phone? I'm, I'm going to jump out a, a window in, in Manhattan in, in New York. <gasps> Yeah, that was uh, a big shock. And, um, you know, I tried to kind of talk them around or, or I, I signposted them to their nearest 
places in New York, in Manhattan, where they were to, to, to go and get help and, and support. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I said to myself, well, you know, luckily I saw that message, but if I hadn't seen that message, um, did you hear anything later from that person? No, no. Um, I think I would worry that it were a troll or something. Yeah, there's that too. There is that too, for sure. You just don't know. Um, I mean, again, that's, you know, I'm always trying to signpost people to their nearest places to go for, for help and support. Um, cause that's the best thing when, when someone, um, is in, is in distress in crisis to go somewhere safe, somewhere local to them. Uh, but yeah. often people don't know where to go. That's the thing. I've got a, um, patron thing right, where people, you know, subscribe to the podcast. And one of the things that uh, in one of the tiers that they can ask a question, whoever's the first one, I tell them who I've got on or whatever. So I've got one for you mm. from uh, somebody called Kane. Mm -hmm. And he said, Hi, Andrew, thank you for letting me come on the show. First of all, just wanted to say hello to my lovely mother, Deborah, who I know is a huge fan of yours and will be listening. This is for Johnny. I was wondering if the clinical manifestations of schizophrenia were different um, as a child compared to as an adult? Yeah, as a child, everything is, uh, I think everything is much scarier, you know? Certainly for me, um, I remember experiencing a lot of fear. My parents took me to a psychologist when I was five because I'd experienced, um, well, I thought that <laughs> at nighttime there, were, there was something out to get me and it came into the house and I heard the footsteps and they weren't really there, but you know, I then wouldn't sleep in my, in my own bed and I'd only sleep with my parents. And uh, I was really scared for so much of the, the time. And, you know, as a child, it's hard to communicate that. And, you know, whereas an adult, as an adult now I have language, I have the language to express when I'm, and I have tools that I, I can use, you know, if I'm overwhelmed and, and, in a state of distress, but as a child, you know, um, and people around me didn't know how to deal with it and handle it. And yeah, it was really scary and tough. I don't think we take childhood's mental health issues seriously enough. Mm. Um, we know that a lot of mental health issues start in childhood, but yeah, I just don't think we, 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 we deal with it properly. Um, and this is why actually I set the charity up that I've got to, to really try and focus on what we call um, early intervention, you know, getting in there young rather than, you know, so many people, they, they, they wait and they wait and they wait for a diagnosis and for treatment. But if we get in there young, we can make a big difference. Um, so we're all about getting into schools early and we've got a, a mental health festival for schools actually in February, which... Um, it's all about getting getting to to young people and to teachers and to families early on. I suppose it's really difficult because no parent wants to admit to themselves the reality of the situation. No, of course, of course. But there is help and support for parents, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, absolutely, parents. Um, I mean, my parents found it really isolating and hard, you know. Um, they didn't know who to talk to. Um, yeah about my my mental health issues um so so to be honest at first they didn't talk to anyone and that's really hard because again if you think of something like um you know cancer when someone has has cancer and you know the family will hopefully rally around and you'll have friends around and there's a lot of support but again with mental health because of the stigma you know there's that support is is um harder sometimes to, to get um yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Hey, do you like interior designs? You're probably looking at some right now and thinking they could be better. Well, if you're based in London, I know someone just right for designing your interior. Pink Moon Interiors. They will take care of everything from mood boards and sourcing products to any kind of project management. If you are going to be spending most of your life staring at the four walls, you should probably call in an expert to jazz it up a bit. Uh, not often I can say this on an ad, but I actually do know them and I've been to one of their houses and it's gorgeous and affordable. And if you're not from London, you can still follow them on Instagram on pinkmoon_interiors. underscore interiors. 
And you spoke before of part of the, the difficulty being coming from a fair, was it a fairly religious Jewish upbringing? Because many Jewish families in North London, for example, are very secular. But did you find, was yours quite religious then? I'd say it was moderate. It was moderate. Um, I mean, I went to <laughs> I went to Sunday school. Me too. <laughs> What's that, you too? Yeah, yeah. Learned to read Hebrew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I to be honest, Sunday school, I found it strange looking back. Uh, all the different things we were told about, you know, God and... I remember some teachers really tried to sort of, um, sort of drive fear into you or into me. Um, yeah. yeah, I found it a strange experience Sunday school. I don't know about I you. If, if it was the same one, where was yours? <laughs> Mine was um, EDRS. Oh, I played football for EDRS. Ah, okay. <laughs> where was your Sunday school? This is going to sound so weird to people listening who don't know it. These, these strange <laughs> things we were going to on Sundays. when Absolutely. Uh, mine was c- called Cole High, which is Hatch End. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Such a strange thing we did. Um, yeah. But yeah, so was was yours, was it at the point, let's say, were you kosher at home? No, it wasn't to that, not okay. to that extent. No. Okay. Because I've also, I've heard you talk about that, it, you know, as well as it being more difficult, maybe with your illness, it was also difficult to come out as a gay man. Yeah. So that, that made me think it was a fairly religious, a conservative upbringing, maybe. Is that, is that the case? Conservative. Yeah, conservative, for sure. Again, homosexuality, like mental illness, was just not talked about. It was, it was a taboo. It was such a t- taboo um, at home and in school and... Um, so yeah, so so it was another sort of um, thing for me to to hide, you know, because um, again I was embarrassed, I was ashamed, worried about what people would think. That's so sad. Mm. Yeah, it, it is, and I still know people that go through it, you know. Even though I think there's more acceptance and tolerance, it, I think it's harder in religious communities, you know. Um, yeah, I, I still know people that, that, that really struggle to, to come out to parents, to families. Um, mm. and it's a shame in this day and age, but it still happens. How was in the end coming at when, when, when was that for you and how was that with your family? So I did that when I was, uh, 20, 21, I think. So it was after I got diagnosed, I was ill, um, and um, I actually found it harder, I think, to come out uh, as gay rather than come out about my mental health issues. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I found it tricky, particularly talking to my parents about it, my, my extended family. Um, but I mean, you know, again, I'm really lucky. I, I've never had any rejection because of it. You know, I know people that have had rejection from religious mm. family members um the really dreadful you know rejection and being thrown out of home and gosh it, so i feel really lucky that i didn't experience any of that for sure um but it was still it was still tricky it was tough and 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 how is it now i mean are you uh do do you if you don't mind me asking do you live with somebody now and and how do, okay and, and how would they or how have relationships worked with your condition yeah, I've not not had much luck on that sort of front, to be honest. The paranoia alone. I mean, paranoia ruins most relationships. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. No, it's been it's been tricky. Uh, a few people that that I've kind of been with just haven't really grasped it or understood. Or like, I remember I was seeing I was seeing one guy and I, I had a panic attack in front of him, mm-hmm. um, and he just laughed and he was like you're being ridiculous what are you doing having a panic attack for and Mm. that was the end of our (laughs) kind of uh relationship after that yeah there's a lot of uh i don't know yeah again lack of um acceptance and i think it's really hard dating when you have a a a mental health issue um particularly i think in the gay community there's a lot of judgment a lot of kind of superficiality there seems to be, from the outside, I have no idea, but there seems to be a, is, is there a sort of pursuit of perfection in the mm, gay community? Definitely, definitely, yeah, for sure, for sure. 
yeah, so it's a big problem in the community and there's a lot of problems with addiction. As a result, mm-hmm. mental health issues, suicide is, is a much higher in the LGBT plus mm-hmm. community. Yeah, it, it, all of those things, mental health issues, things like depression are higher, addiction rates are higher and suicide rates are higher. So, and again, I think it's not something that's addressed enough within life is so is so much more interesting when people are imperfect aren't they and they're sort of funny and they have different things and they have their weaknesses and their strengths you know one of my favorite people is uh, or celebrities is simon amstel right and uh, he's just yeah. a perfect example of that because yeah. he admits his problems and his yeah uh and that's how i'd like to think if i were gay he's the kind of guy i would go for yeah 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 for sure 100 percent. yeah i just think yeah. um but it's hard, people like that are hard to find in the community um, you know, if you go on a dating app, it's, it's all about what you look like and yeah. having the perfect, yeah. perfect, um, body and face and, um, oh, so much of it is, yeah, it's about appearance. Yeah. So much of it is about appearance. Well, that's also dating apps, isn't it? You've got, mm. you got to meet someone for a friend, I think, whether you're straight or gay, you know? Yeah. 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 For sure. It's awful. The dating apps and the, you know. I had that, you know, my, my girlfriend, I was struggling so hard to, to meet someone. It was six years ago now we've been together. Oh. And I found a similar thing in terms of everyone I met was just so, like, ridiculous. Like, every photo was just, like, breasts everywhere. And, like, <laughs> just, like, how am I going to, like, introduce this person to my parents? No, that shouldn't be the first thing I think. But, <laughs> you know, how am I going to have a conversation with this person? And I was fortunate enough that a friend of a friend knew somebody and was like, oh, you two should whatever Okay. And that's that's how it's got to be, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of given up with the dating apps for now, I think. I told you before, my, my stepmom does find you very, very, very <laughs> handsome. Wow. I mean, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah. She's, she's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Um, I was watching something before. Do you, have you heard of Ellen Sachs? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I was watching her uh, talk. And she said some really interesting things. And one of the things was, I, I wanted to go through a couple of the things and see if you relate to them. And so one is like, imagine having a nightmare while you're awake. Is that how schizoaffective disorder feels to you? When when I'm in an episode, yeah, wow. for sure. When, I, when I'm, I mean, day to day, thankfully, no, thankfully, because mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to function if it, if it was like that every day. But yeah, when I'm um, unwell and having an episode, then yeah, I mean, it's, um, I wouldn't wish it on, you know, worst enemy, you know, Um, it's horrible to be, yeah, to feel kind of trapped by your mind and you're at the mercy of it. It's, It's horrible. Another thing that really struck me that she said, I'd never given this that much thought and that's probably an oversight on my part but when you see people on the street shouting and stuff they're likely to be going through a schizophrenic episode or something uh whereas i'd always assumed as she points out you assume they're drunk on drugs Mm. and this and that and it it could be that and and except that they don't have access to the right mental health care and stuff do you know i was in new york actually um i can't remember about a year ago and i mean Gosh, I was really struck. I've been to New York a few times, but in this particular time, I was really struck by how many unwell people there were on the on the streets, in the parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, really unwell. Yeah, you know, a, a city like... And I know it's not just New York, obviously. I mean, I mean, we know that... Berlin, where I am. Re- really? Really, really, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people. A lot more than I noticed in London, for example. So interesting. I mean, it's really horrific. It's really... It's really sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of unwell people. Um, and yeah, they don't have access to, to anything, let alone mental health care. And if they just got the right, you know, maybe treatment, uh, things could be different. But it makes me re- that makes me really, really sad and angry as well. Man, it's, we've got such a long way to go, mm. it sounds like. Um, and that's why it's so important, the work you do. Um, one other thing she said, which I just liked because it sounds so poetic, but she doesn't actually agree with the sentiment, which was which was something I often ask people when they are going through things and they say, like, if you could get rid of it all, 
they often surprise you and say, no, I wouldn't. And that, that was the case with a, a psychopath I spoke to. It was the case with uh, a non-offending pedophile I spoke to one time who said, would that really surprise me when they were just like, no, because that's my identity and I, I don't know what it's like to not be me. Wow. She, and she used this quote that somebody had used saying, don't take my devils away because my angels may flee too, which I thought was a beautiful quote. But then she said, it doesn't apply to me at all. I would get rid of this in a second if I could. And wow. where do you stand on that? Gosh, that's just gave me shivers. Um, it's a beautiful line, isn't it? Do you know what, though? I mean, it depends. I know this is going to... It depends on where I am, the day that I'm having, or the, the week, or the month, or the year. I mean, um, it's, it's a difficult one because, uh, you know, I think for me, I've got uh, a lot of... Um, it, this this whole journey has helped develop my things like um, uh, empathy and um, my insight and my creativity, you know. Um, uh, but at the same time, I do sometimes just look at people. I look at people that just are, are able to just roll out of bed in the morning and just 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 plow through their day without. Yeah. Yeah paranoia or anxiety or and all the work that you know i and it's the thing is it's for me i realize now it's 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 constant work it's constant um you know i've been in therapy for years and um i'm constantly having to work on things and yeah for some days i do just yeah wish that uh i could just have it all taken away um but as I said, on other days when, you know, I'm really creative, then I think, no. Or, or days when I'm able to be really happy and, you know, enjoy life. It sounds like it's so wrapped up in in any sort of creativity and personality. And maybe it's even, I even had that answer for, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a, a woman who went blind. Uh, she's the BBC Radio 1's first blind presenter, Lucy Edwards. And she's mm. She's just great to listen to she's fantastic and she went blind when she was about 20 or 19 just uh, an operation went wrong and she woke up and couldn't see oh my gosh awful and even she said i wouldn't change it now at first i would have it's now been six or seven years and this is sort of who i am which which is hard to know how much she, she has to sort of tell herself that to keep going and how much she really means it figuratively and but maybe I'm, I'm being unfair and she really really does mean that sure i think it's extraordinary i think it really is extraordinary i mean the thing is i think for me acceptance has been a big part of this i spent years trying to fight it and uh in in denial and but i think yeah over the years learning to um accept that my mind my brain uh i did some work with um yale and uh i mean they're all the work they're doing into particularly psychosis and schizophrenia is so fascinating and looking into the brain. And I don't know, for me, that really helps, you know, looking into my brain, thinking of this as a, you know, as a chemical imbalance. It's not my fault. Is that what it is as far as the, the scientists today know? Is that, is that it's a chemical, it's not a physical thing? Well, that is a physical thing, isn't it, chemicals? Well, actually, to be honest, when I was at Yale uh, a couple of years ago, they found that um, there's a particular nerve in the brain. And if that nerve is shorter in, in people, they will hear a voice. Uh, they will have auditory hallucinations. Wow. Are you hearing that voice from, again, one of the things this exorcist said, which made no sense at all, but he said, well, to me anyway, was because I said, what about people who have schizophrenia? And he, he, was, he wasn't a great, a nice guy, this guy. He, I was ex- sort of trying to expose what he was doing. But he, he said, oh, well, you know, when they hear voices from the outside, then it's schizophrenia. But when they're from the inside, it's demonic possession or something like that. Does it feel like someone's in the room or is it your mind is saying stuff? To be honest, I'm really lucky that um, nowadays I rarely hear the voice. Um, really lucky. I know I'm really wow. lucky. Whereas when I was um, in my late teens, yeah, it was there. It was with me. It was talking to me. Um, telling me, oh God, telling me, you know, you've got to do this. You've got to say these three words. And if you don't say these three words, then, you know, I'm going to punish your mum. I'm going to punish your dad. I called it shush, shush. I mean, obviously physically it wasn't there, but as an auditory hallucination, it was there. But for me, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a devil. It was, um, this thing that, that had come down to, to punish me. And, um, 
Um, and that was really, really, really tough to mm. have to constantly live with. So, so is schizophrenia different to schizoaffective disorder? Mm. So schizoaffective disorder is uh, more of a combination of, of schizophrenia and a mood disorder. Uh-huh. So uh, whereas just like pure schizophrenia um, doesn't come with such sort of pronounced mood disorder. It's the it's the paranoia and the hallucinations and everything, but the mood isn't affected so much. And is this just a movie trope? Because the movies, it will be a totally different personality takes over the person and the person won't have any memory of the time that they became that other person. Do you know what I mean in those movies and stuff? Mm, mm, mm. Is that just yeah. science fiction? Yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, um, I remember. And I, to be honest, I, I don't go back into it because it's just too traumatic but I remember my um you know my episodes and you know um yeah I I remember them and I can if I wanted to I could really go back there and you know go in not go into that state but I could really go back there so it's not like and it's not like someone comes and takes over you it's just um and it's it's not a sudden thing either it's um you know there's a build-up I don't just suddenly switch you know there, there's always 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 a, a build-up for me for me uh things like lack of sleep like if i don't if i have if i have um several nights of insomnia yeah. then yeah my mind is deteriorates or if you know i've had uh if i've been drinking too much at night uh you know that's another kind of trigger it's not just like suddenly switch well for me yeah. I don't know if other people, but for me, I, I definitely not just a sudden switch. It's a, it's a build-up. It's yeah. a gradual build-up. Because, yeah, I think the Hollywood version is a little bit like somebody could go and murder someone and then come back and they're in their bed and they're like, mm. oh, I didn't do it. I don't remember that. And, oh, yeah. I know. I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, that's definitely not my experience, for sure. When it comes to things like schizophrenia, you know, for some people, they do recover. They do have an episode and then they recover. And I think people don't, realize that obviously for some people it's it's much more severe and it's very really tough um but it's you know as you were saying before about it being a spectrum it's it 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 varies it varies and you know people have such unique experiences um i mean i've met people that hear multiple multiple voices each 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 voice is a different character and it's horrifying well, it is, but the amazing thing is, is that some people have learned to deal with it and live with it. And I think that's amazing because I don't think I could, to be honest. Uh, you know, one voice is bad enough, but to have multiple, I don't know, it's really inspiring to, to you know, talk to people that have multiple voices and that are, yeah. that are doing okay with them. Too often, you know, people are put in put in boxes or they they try to put people in boxes just because you've got schizophrenia you know you must have this you must you know there's there's an amazing ted talk actually on on schizophrenia by someone called eleanor longdon and she it's called the voices in my head and um it's amazing hearing her story she was about to drill a hole in her head when she was a teenager because she oh. it was just too intense and but she's learned to manage her schizophrenia and live with it. And I actually met her. It's just amazing. She, she's now um, a researcher and she's, you know, academically, she's done amazingly uh, in spite of, well, kind of similar to, you know, in, in the film A Beautiful Mind, John Nash, he, you know, in spite of his schizophrenia, he's, he did amazing things. I love that film so much. Yeah, I do as well. I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, I just don't think we hear enough positive stories of you know um people living with something like schizophrenia Mm. or people that have had psychosis you don't hear enough success stories positive stories there are there are positive stories out there that you tend to hear about you know just last week in the news in in the uk there was this story of someone with schizophrenia who had stabbed someone in a park it was all over the news um and that's often the only time you hear about schizophrenia, which is really yeah. frustrating. I suppose when you hear about that kind of thing, is there is there a tiny part of you that can relate or at least 
put yourself in the place where that person was and they're hearing a voice presumably saying, you've got to do this right now. See, mine was never that extreme as to, as to, as to hurt someone. I mean, and that's the thing. People with schizophrenia are more likely to be the victims of... This is the stats. This is the evidence. They're more likely to be yeah. victims of violence rather than actually perpetrators. Um, I know so many people with schizophrenia who are incredibly... Uh, they wouldn't hurt a fly. That's the thing. And it really annoys me when, and some, and, you know, sometimes I do wonder if when it comes to courts, if uh, something like schizophrenia is maybe, um, I don't know, exaggerated or, um, I don't know, but that's quite a controversial thing, but. Don't, well, don't shy away from it. Let's hear the controversial thing. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I do just wonder if, um, you know, to to stop someone from getting a lengthy sentence. The mental illness thing. Well, particularly, and particularly schizophrenia, particularly, you know, if I think of all the times, you know, I've I've looked at the BBC News website and I've seen the term schizophrenia in the last few years, it's all or nearly all to do with, oh, there's been a violent attack, there's been a murder. I, I just find it really frustrating because as I said, I, I've met so many people with schizophrenia, schizoaffective who wouldn't they wouldn't hurt a fly literally wouldn't hurt a fly i can see how that must be frustrating mm. Mm. i think that is a movie trope as well because i think people have seen how that could have you know quite exciting movie potential mm. they've written that into enough movies over the decades and it's become the thing i know i understand i know mm. i think again hollywood needs a <laughs> a shift in the way that they portray mental health issues you know yeah, well, there was that film Split. Do you see that? <laughs> I didn't see that, no. Oh. I know the one you mean. I just, no. It, it was ridiculous. Just really? <laughs> utterly ridiculous. And it was just like this guy was having like 100 different voices or 30 different voices and each one, he was becoming a different person every time and then going off and killing people. So oh. it's that kind of thing. Yeah, that's again, it's really frustrating. Really frustrating. Hollywood needs to do, needs to do better. M. Night Shyamalan, do better absolutely for sure no seriously yeah absolutely absolutely yeah oh and what's an mbe what is that oh so um well um it's a bit dated to be honest because hmm. it it stands for <laughs> member of the british empire which is really right. really really dated and <laughs> I, I think okay. it really needs to aren't we all members of the british empire yeah a bit <laughs> of the i mean the british empire i mean it's pretty controversial isn't it and uh i do think that they need to change the the, the <laughs> when someone gets an it's, it's an award and when someone gets this award um i just i kind of wish they changed the the name of it <laughs> a few people have turned it down because you know yeah. they just don't want to be associated with the british empire and i understand that but how would your parents have reacted if you turned down the mbe yeah i know <laughs> i know they would have yeah Look, I mean, the whole thing was really, um, well, it was, it was, it was so lovely to to receive this award and to go to the Buckingham Palace. And did you meet the Queen? No, I had. Uh, it was Prince William that that gave me my MBE, which was um, well. The thing was, it was really lovely because I've met him a few times in the oh. work that I've been doing, and um, it was just we just had a really lovely chat, to be honest, um, when he gave me the the medal. Uh, and he's really passionate about mental health. He is, isn't he? Mm. Brilliant. Really passionate. It's brilliant. I've just seen in The Crown, because they had a history that of covering up mental health in the, mm -hmm. in the royal family. So sure. good on him. Yeah, oh, he's really... And, and Prince Harry and all of the young royals, to be honest, are really passionate about mental health oh. issues, which is great. And they really... It feels like something that they've really dedicated to, um, which is... They've got such a huge influence. So that's... Brilliant. Yeah. You know, it really helps. It was such a pleasure talking to Johnny Benjamin, and it's a great feeling when you finish either making or listening to a podcast and think, wow, I really learned something today. And that's all down to Johnny and his brilliant way of describing the indescribable. Remember to check the show notes for links to the charity he founded, Beyond, which is on wearebeyond.org.uk, where you'll also find information on his mental health festival for schools, now and beyond. 
Thank you so much to those of you who have been signing up to the Patreon memberships. It's only been running a few weeks, but is already making a big difference. Today and tomorrow are the last days of the special deal I have running to get 15% off the monthly fee for the lower no ads tier. So you can get that for like £2.50 or less than $3 if you get it today or tomorrow. Thank you to last week's new patrons, including Deborah Alexander, Alexander Margolin, Kirstine Laidlaw, Georgina Harris, Oliver Nash, Gay Fosh, Kristen Wilkie, and Deandra Hughes. Thank you so much. You're making a huge difference to the show and enabling me to continue with it. If you joined after the 12th of December, I'll shout you out next week. Otherwise, make sure to please share this around, subscribe and write Apple reviews. All those things help so much to get this off the ground. Last week, I was thrilled to get a review in France from Lerme saying, Intriguing guy. Great episode as always. Kirsten Wilkie, who signed up as a patron as well, wrote on Twitter, I've loved each episode. The interviews are intelligent while being engaging and entertaining. I've just finished the Jehovah's Witness episode. And longtime fan Laura Elliott also wrote on Twitter about the Mormon episode, saying that this was fun. So many takeaways. Great content. Thanks for the pod. By the way, I also appeared on the wonderful Godless Spellchecker podcast last week. It's an atheist anti-woke podcast that has had the likes of Ricky Gervais on as guest before me. Find it on Apple and Spotify. It's also called The Night Tube, night with a K, on YouTube. Um, I was also on the wonderful Balancing Acts podcast, um, which you can also find in the normal podcast places, to discuss making art and films and all of that creative stuff with brilliant actor-producer Steve Whiteley. Next week's episode is with Oxford professor Dr. Julian Barber, who will be talking about time, the Big Bang, and his new book, The Janus Point. He has a new theory about the origins of time and its direction and how it all works, which is quite exciting and pretty much, you know, mind-blowing. So make sure to stick around for that if you have the time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.